0: So many previews, so many previews, so many previews. And now, our feature presentation. (gasps) If that's a phrase you like to hear, then you'll love movie call. Ah! Ah! Start the movie! Start the movie! Start the movie!
1: movie! Start the movie! we are out of control. Well, if we wanted to live forever, we wouldn't have become ushers.
0: Maybe we should try to calm Dad down. I prefer to egg him on. Hey, Dad, has the movie started yet? Four-finger discount, dude.
2: Welcome to 4 Figure Discount, this week we're here to review episode F it is Jaws wise Shut, I am Dando. I am Guy
1: Dando, how are you travelling sir, you doing alright?
2: Yeah I'm doing alright, just the usual parenting shenanigans, but I've I've learnt new ways to cope with the disobeying of my authoritarian. so oh. I'm running much more calm now as opposed to just say, go to your fucking room! I never actually say that, but as opposed to just losing my cool, I just take Ellie by the hand. Take him into his room, explain what he's done wrong. He throws cars at me. I leave. It's all good. Have <laughs> <laughs> it How yourself. How, how's your weekend been? How was your Easter? My
1: Easter was just fine, thank you very much. Um, I must say, I didn't really uh, overdose on the chocolate eggs this time around. I will say that um, I did break a uh, make a you know a last minute trip to the supermarket, thinking oh, I'd better grab some eggs for the. Uh, you know, the children of the lovely Louise, not myself. I mean I'm I'll just get regular ass chocolate. I don't give a shit about eggs. Um yeah. and to find they're all sold out. So I just had to sort of like be the deadbeat um deadbeat mum's boyfriend who rocks up saying, Happy Easter, here's the Kit Kat <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well we have shitloads of Easter chocolate left over here if you do want some for yourself. Because I probably aren't gonna eat any the only chocolate I ate. Was my nan who passed away last year, Marlene? Mm. She her favourite chocolate. Well, she loved licorice, so she loved the licorice chocolate. So mm. I just ate one little Lee licorice chocolate in honour of her. That's the only chocolate I had. <laughs> v- very nice. Well, of course you're you know getting
1: that uh, that buff beach body in shape again. Oh, yeah, you? very buff. Yeah. But I just
2: uh, <laughs> Elliot loves it though. I think this was the first Easter where he started to understand the concept of Easter bunny came and like uh, eggs. yeah, this is the time so of year when you fun get- yeah. It was cool just watching him run around, yeah. Well,
1: look, I mean, if you don't want to sort of uh, let the temple, temple, oh, temper temper boil over, and if you feel someone that you just want to vent
2: at, I'm right here, man. Let me have it. I can take it. <laughs> I, will, I will hold you to that, sir. I will hold you to that. But uh, Jaws Wide Shut, um, this is an episode I remember really enjoying. Had a lot of, um, a lot of <laughs> positive you? reviews. By that reaction you just gave me, I feel like you didn't like it. I think this episode sucked, sucked, sucked. Really?
1: <laughs> I was not a fan of this episode. I okay. didn't. I did not enjoy this.
2: I didn't enjoy it until we got to the cinema scene. The, the opening act with the whole gay pride parade just felt very unnecessary to me.
1: To me, that felt like. Uh, let's just leap into it. Well, I think. We've talked about that sort of weird stage that uh, I guess popular culture was at and maybe comedy was at in the early 2000s when it was kind of like any representation is good. In the past, we probably were, say, using the, the gay and lesbian lifestyle as a bit of a punchline. I don't think The Simpsons viewed this as a punchline. I think it was just like, everybody's in on the joke now. Yeah, we can all sort of poke fun at one another and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think that's any excuse for just kind of really lazy stereotypical or, or just, you know, trotting out the same old stereotypes and going, yeah, but we're making fun of the people who would sort of like cringe at that or something like that. It was just like, okay, let's put a bunch of gay archetypes on screen and we're not poking fun at them, but we'll, ne- but we'll still laugh regardless. I mean, it, I don't know. It, it just didn't feel like a joke. It just felt like, or it felt like a joke without actual jokes. If you know what I mean,
2: I'd be interested to know if any of our listeners are members of the LGBTQ is that correct community? Is that how we say it now? I'm not too sure. I apologize if I got that wrong. No, no, I, t- I tend to stop at the Q. Yeah, but
1: uh, or maybe put a plus, put a plus on the end. Yeah, okay. I think it's kind of a it's kind of a nice, not escape hatch, but I mean it's a nice way of being inclusive without. Uh, oh my God, there's acronyms going on forever. When I worked as a um as a sub uh, editor and a headline writer, we were always sort of like. Okay, are we stopping a queue or are we, which letters are we including this time around? Forgive me if that makes me sound like, oh, everyone's got an initial these days. But honestly, I mean, we're like, okay, we don't want to be uninclusive here. I mean, we want to sort of say, you know, we want
2: everyone to get their, their spot. Yep. But uh, we're like, what's our policy on this? What I'll be interested to know was with any members of that community, were they offended by this? I mean, I'm not offended by it, but it just, to, to me, it feels like something where it's just like, you're making fun of all their stereotypes, but, you know, the episode Bart versus Australia, they make fun of all the Australian stereotypes. It doesn't yeah. bother me. I'm not offended by it. I think the thing, yeah, the thing is it's,
1: uh, yeah, it's not offensive and it's inclusive, but it's also just lazy. It's not like, well, if you're going to, you know, include uh, the gay community in on the joke or make them part of the the Simpsons community, at least give them decent gags. <laughs>
2: That's true, yeah. And the whole... I think just the whole fact that it didn't actually play into the story. No, it was. It, was oh. it, it ended up being a reason for Homer to want to leave. Oh, that's it. Let's get out of here. Let's go see a movie. I yeah. just thought, okay, well, this whole opening act meant absolutely nothing to the story. It wasn't necessary. If you're going to do that, make a whole story about it in some way. Anyway, hmm. but what I did like about this was I liked the, I like it when Homer becomes a better person. And in mm. particular, I know he usually goes back to being the same person by the end of the episode when these episodes happen, and that's what happens here. But he didn't go back to being a normal person by being a dick. He'd done it for a good reason. And it, it, if anything, he was almost like forced into it. He didn't want to go back to being the, the normal wacky homer. Yeah. He did it to sort of save Marge. I like that aspect of it, but still the whole Marge going to the Crash Derby scene to me just felt very out of character, out of nowhere. Yeah. Marge, well, so Marge just decided life is boring now because Homer's not a maniac. So she's going to go into a crash derby with the family car. Who's going to pay for the damage of the car? She's going to risk her <laughs> life for it. What, she's going to leave during... Like, i just seemed so... Ridiculous is probably too strong a word, but it just felt very weird to me. What it struck me as was... it, it Yeah, look, it was poorly
1: thought out but it had a really interesting idea at the base of it and it's something that i think uh, um can be applied to a lot of sitcoms or a lot of comedies where each member of the family or you know certainly the matriarch and patriarch the mother and father the husband and wife or whatever have got very sort of defined roles it's usually in comedies the case that like dad and the simpsons is making fun of this i think you know Dad's a wacky slob who, you know, won't pick up after himself and he's kind of the free spirit and, you know, oh, the kids can have candy for dinner. And the mum's kind of like, no, they can't. Um, you know, and the mum has got to be the responsible one. And I don't know, I think the Simps- with this episode, I think The Simpsons was kind of saying, I think they kind of like it that way and they can kind of get um, really used to... Someone like Marge can really enjoy sort of being the moral high ground. You know, it's like wait a minute, Homer's not acting up, so I can't keep him in check. What does that make me Yeah. if I've, I've lost my sort of moral authority in the family? I mean, I yeah. may be reading too much into it, but I mean, that struck me as a really sort of um, interesting idea and one that they sort of explored a little bit, which is like, well, if I'm not telling Homer to stop being a dickhead all the time, it throws the whole dynamic of the family out of balance. Maybe I have to do something to sort of get things back to the way they were or create a new dynamic that the family can sort of revolve around. But, you know, they didn't really do that much interesting with it. I mean, <laughs> the whole thing with the, um, with the demolition derby, I mean, if we're going to be sort of, you know, nitpicking about it, what time were they holding it? I mean, I know they said, at 7 o'clock, why are we going to bed this early? But it didn't seem like it was 7.30pm or even 8pm when they were in bed. It felt like they were kind of, it was late at night, like 11 o'clock or something. And all of a sudden, fine, I'm off to the demolition derby, which is being held, what, near midnight? I don't know.
2: What's well, going. I, I think I <laughs> thought that as well, but then I thought the whole reason they had them say they're going to bed at seven thirty was because they've gone to bed, pulled the blinds down, and they're in bed at an early time and Marge is bored. She's Marge is bored because mm. she's in bed so early. She's like, Why let's know Saturday night, whatever, why are we in bed so early? Which is why she wanted to go out and do something. Um, because I thought the same thing, I thought it's it's night time, but they said seven thirty, so that's kind of their out there. But it's just still like Marge is going to she for the the character of Marge to enter into a uh, Demolition Derby just felt way too, way too wacky for yeah. me. She wouldn't go to that extreme. Certainly not enough build-up to it. I
1: mean, if you're going to have that kind of climax where it's like Marge doing something so out of character like entering into a Demolition Derby, you've got to have build-up all the way through the episode. You've got to have just, you know, have it studded throughout that while Homer is becoming more and more sort of empathetic or appearing more and more empathetic because, you know, he's listening because he can't talk... And all that kind of stuff. You've got to have Marge sort of going, I'm normally the one doing the listening and all this kind of stuff. But it didn't really have that. It was just jumping from emotion to emotion, reaction to reaction. None of it was connected. They, they, They felt like there was no connective tissue in this episode. It was just sort of going from bit to bit. Yeah, which, look, can work. But I think... I don't know. I think viewers tend to sort of think or, or feel more satisfied when there is that sort of strong connect.
2: When um, it flows well.
1: When it, when it flows better, yeah. yeah. I heard this saying the other day, uh, some writing advice was, you know, like um, when you're stringing pearls together, don't forget the thread. The thread is the storyline that can, yeah. that holds everything together. The pearls are the gags or the pearls are the, uh, the bits that sort of people go, wow, that was a great line of dialogue or wow, that was a terrific action beat or whatever. You've got pearls but the pearls are all going to fall apart if they don't have a string holding them
2: together. You know what I mean? Yeah. The story for this episode should have been the way Homer was able to connect with not just family, but friends through listening. Absolutely. And how he was able to become a better person as a result. He can still go back to being the Homer that he was, but still Hmm. changed slightly where he's now understands certain aspects and whatnot. Although it is very similar to Homer. Homer, yeah. Yeah. It was very similar sort of structure to that. But yeah. you're right when you said that nothing really sort of flowed well in the, that you had the gay pride parade, which just then led to the movie theatre, which was just another story idea they had, which then led to Homer running away to hit his face on a the statue. But they all sort of flow on in the sense that one does lead to the next, but they don't connect well. It's just... No. It's just sort of a bunch I've... of sort of different mini stories all in one. Yeah. Yeah. They feel like they're stuck together with like a couple of bits of sticky tape. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Yeah.
1: It's too bad because, I mean, I I really... We've talked about the idea of an episode having a solid foundation or underpinning. And, mm. yeah, the fact that Homer can't talk and he has to listen. In his head, he's probably thinking, oh, this sucks, or, or he's frustrated or angry or whatever, but no one can read his reactions. So everyone thinks, oh, he's the most empathetic man in town. That's wonderful. I mean, I reckon that's a pretty decent idea again it's like it's like homer you're right but um i don't know this episode just didn't really
2: seem to do a whole lot with it to the best i of did people. i i did like the bonding moments when he first started using the chalkboard and sort of responding and actually hmm. showing interest in listening to people
1: well though that happened really quickly it seemed as well
2: yeah it didn't show him like getting a chalkboard or anything. he just suddenly had a chalkboard
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and and him turning into like the most the really sensitive guy. i mean i think it's when he's in bed with marge and he's sort of Writes out, so how was your day? It's a sweet thing, and of course, it's something that you know you should do, but it seemed like he did that very quickly all of a sudden, or and he didn't have like an ulterior motive for it. It'd be funny if, like, he didn't really want to ask how, how her day was or anything like that, but the conversation wasn't going his way, and he thought, mm, How can I get this on track so she's not angry
2: with me? Or, ask about her day. I liked it for the complete opposite reason. I liked it for the fact that he actually did show interest in her day,
1: yeah. Again, yeah, it's I don't think Homer's a dick. Um, but his his sort of taking that kind of interest that quickly just felt like "Mm, that was a a pretty rapid gear change.
2: Mm. I did like that he did it, but you're right. It's sort of he did all of a sudden he was interested in what she had to say. I see what you're saying. We sort of got a little bit of that kind of what you're saying there when he was talking to Lisa where he said maybe a a cuddle will will cork her cry hole or something like that.
1: I think he can have that both ways where... Homer shows empathy or sympathy or interest or whatever, but at the same time, it's motivated by a little bit of self-interest, like, I'm uncomfortable that she's crying. Uh, I guess a huggle will stop her. You know, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's, um, the, but that, uh, that first bit where he asked Marge about her day, it's like, well, that seems sort of, it's nice, but it's a little unexpected, certainly in the context of this scene. Hey, my favourite! So what was your favourite moment? From Jaws Wires Shut. Well, we're talking about the chalkboard. I must admit, I did get a bit of a laugh when, um, I think it was in the conversation with uh, with Lisa, where, you know, are you interested in this? And he writes, yes. And she's a real, and he rubs out yes and rewrites yes. Very funny, wasn't it? <laughs> that is one of my favourites as well. It's a nice little bit. And I also liked, you know, again, it's in those bonding moments where he's, you know, making the model with um, with Bart, and it looks like oh they're making a model plane together, and it turns out to be a ship. On once we got to coordinate on this thing. Like, I like that. I thought that was I thought that was pretty good.
2: How about you? I also oh, I liked the, the chalkboard as well, but I also liked when Marge mentions Homer. I bet sorry mentions Flanders, and he writes "Doe," and they both have a little giggle to each other. Yeah. I thought it was a nice <laughs> little sweet moment. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so the the chalkboard was definitely my favorite. Yeah, for sure.
0: Next question. You there eating the paste?
2: Trivia for Jaws, Wires, Shut. Mr. Davis, I think you should kick off this week. What do you got for me? Okay, then. Um, Why is uh, Shenanigotes
1: rated PG 13?
2: There are three reasons. You can, make, you, you can oh. give me just two. I know because one of them is because it stars Gary Shandling. Is that right? It, it has scenes with Gary Shandling, the late lamented. Which I think is a tongue-in-cheek gag because they actually. I think uh, Al Jean worked on the Larry Sanders show yeah, back when uh, I first started. Yeah.
1: I, that's the thing. I mean. For people like me who don't sort of like have inside baseball knowledge, I mean, there's a chance that you could read that as like, are they jealous of the, you know, the Larry Sanders show? Or are they... Why would you disrespect Gary Shandling? The man was a god.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're friends with him. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know the other two. It's just like adult themes or whatever, wasn't it? They were, in fact, brief rudeness and adult explosions. Adult explosions? What's adult explosions? Exploding, adult, exploding I have, I, adults? Or I have
1: no idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll leave that one to the imagination. Uh, my first question is, what three things to Homer signified that this was the gay pride parade? He noticed three things. He goes, oh, that means it's the gay pride parade. Gosh, no, I... I, I I'm, I'm guessing that was the start of the episode, but no, I missed that entirely. Tell me. It was rainbows, tank tops, and empowerment. Oh, that's right, yeah. Your next question. My next question. Um, What is Homer's favourite Hershey Mini
1: or Hershey Miniature? I'm not sure. What is it? it starts with a K. Oh, not Kit Kat.
2: And- <laughs> no, 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 no. What, what is it? <laughs> Ends with a rackle. Crackle. Oh, crackle. I'm, I'm thinking of um <laughs> when they had the giant Kit Kats. Oh, that's of Kit right. Kats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where was that, by the way? I don't even remember him discussing it. That was that was on on afternoon yak. Oh, an afternoon Cause, yak. Because you know,
1: home, oh yeah, Homer would uh, you know eat be snacking during lovemaking or something.
2: Oh, of course. Or he'd have yes, or he'd have a
1: he'd have a um, mouthful of Hershey Hershey
2: Miniatures or something. Yeah. Crackle is my favorite. My next question is, what does Flanders want to ban in schools? Marge mentions this when he knocks on the door. He wants uh, to ban culottes. Yeah. Which are just those pants, right? Like the- I think they're, yeah, pants, like three-quarter
1: length pants. Something, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The sh- showing off the shameful, sinful calf. That's right, <laughs> the calf. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, what's your next one? How many questions are we going to do? Because I've got four. Shall we do four?
2: Yeah, let's, let's do two more each. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> Who had three shrimp at the uh, social event? Oh, it was the husband of some... Of, of one of the people, I don't know. What is his that, name. What is that gentleman's name? Do you know? I don't him? know. No. Nah. His name is Maxstone Withable. <laughs> Maxstone. If your name was Maxstone, would you want to be referred to referred as Maxstone or Max? Oh, Max. <laughs> Maxstone. <laughs> Maxstone. <laughs> <laughs> no. mm, I, I don't suppose it's that
1: bad. But um, fun fact about guy. I was raised Catholic and um of course when you're raised Catholic you have first communion and you have your confirmation it's all part of the uh, the whole churchy deal. And mm-hmm. when you're um I think when you're confirmed you can sort of take on an extra name like a saint's name. Oh okay. Yeah. And the one I chose was a recently uh sainted individual named Maximilian. So if you want my full name if we're going, you know, full metal Catholic on this, it's uh Robert Guy Maximilian Davis. Full metal Catholic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, where, where, where does it come after the middle name or before? I think you can slap it at anywhere, really. I mean, it's oh. not on any like
1: official documentation. But um, no, When I which, uh, which saintly name
2: are you taking on, son? Ma-
1: Maximilian, please. Sounds cool.
2: I can't wait for the Max Power slash Guy Davis <laughs> memes in the Patreon group now. <laughs> Alrighty, let's do a couple more questions and we'll get into our review. My next one is, three wars back, Grandpa called Liberty Cabbage what? Oh, Super slow. Correct. Well done. Yeah, Super slow. Um, who wrote the play,
1: I'm Gonna Kill You? Oh, damn. Don't know. <laughs> it was Edward Albee, noted American playwright, best known for the play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf? Okay. Good play? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough hang, and I mean, it's basically um, uh, a middle-aged couple sort of. Dissatisfied with their marriage and their lives, and they're basically screaming at each other for for two acts, or maybe three acts. Oh. <laughs> Sounds confronting.
2: Fronter. Uh, yeah. It was one. It was, I think it was very big in the fifties and sixties. My final question here is: a formal is the one place you can wear what without looking crazy? Marge mentions it. Yeah. Think, think of think of what princesses would wear. Oh, a tiara. Tiara. Well done. <laughs> So that is trivia for Jaws Wired Shut. Stick around, guys, because after this quick break, we'll be right back with our in-depth review of Jaws Wired Shut. Four-Finger Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons. Bella Windebank, Jordan molman Richie, Noah Daniel, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, Jonathan Rossi, Adam Sanderson, Stephen Roberts, Seth Weins. Daniel Kotnick, Ali Jamie, the iconic June fucking Richards, Matthew Davis, and David Stewart. Absolute legends, and now time for the ultimate legend, Mr. Dylan Haggart, who is this month's $100 patron, and he has requested that we do a review on Attack on Titan, so if you're a fan of that series, make sure you jump on board the Patreon bandwagon. Also, don't forget, for as little as $1 per month, you can support the show and get access to a bunch of exclusive content, including our recent reviews of Home of the Vigilante, I Love Lisa, Bart vs. Australia, and much, much more. Also, access into the Facebook group, this show, and all our other shows weeks early, and much, much more. So just go to patreon.com slash 4 discount to join the family. But for now, enjoy our review of Jaws Wide Shut. Okay, so the original air date for Jaws Wise shut was January twenty seventh, two thousand and two. It was written by Matt Salman, directed by Nancy Cruz. There was no chalk gag this week. I don't believe hmm, was that? No chalk gag. Now they skipped it again, and the catch gag was one where it was silent film and Homer is dressed like Chaplin in the Tramp. What's it? The Tramp
1: was that Charlie Chaplin? I thought that was Hitler. No, we. It was, I knew it was Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. Now playing his yeah famous character, the Little Tramp. Um, yes. I don't think he ever actually had a movie called The Tramp or The Little Tramp. Oh, did
2: he not? I thought he, I thought it was the Tramp. Okay, no, he's, he, the
1: the character that he sort of played, or that he was best known for, was just sort of nicknamed The Little Tramp.
2: And whether he actually oh, okay. called
1: them that in movies, I'm not sure, but um, that was sort of yeah, the nickname that he was given.
2: D- Danny Junior as Chapman, I believe, is pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty good. It's a yeah. very good performance by uh, by RDJ. So the episode kicks off with Homer reading magazine
1: Pie Times. A riff on the, uh, the, in the magazine for marijuana enthusiasts, High Times.
2: Uh, and he's very excited by the fact that they're showing the filling now. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a bit again a bit of a riff on sort of Hustler. Because, I mean, have you ever mm. seen The People vs. Larry Flint? Do you know that one? I
2: have not, no. Yeah. Worth uh, watching?
1: It is. It's a very, very good movie. Uh, great performance by Woody Harrelson. One of Courtney loves a few acting roles, and she's terrific in it. And um, She's good in uh, Men on the Moon as well. Oh, she's, she was a very, very good actor and I, either she was sort of bundled out of the industry or sort of showed herself out because she really didn't give a fuck about, you know, sort of calling people out. Back in like 2000 and, might have been 2005, she's on like a red mm. carpet and someone saying, what advice would you give to, you know, young women in Hollywood? And she said, if Harvey Weinstein invites you to a meeting at his, at his hotel room, don't go.
2: Like, she said, well, "She said it back yeah,
1: then, yeah, and that's like ten years before the before Me Too, so I yeah, mean, yeah. she may well have got blackballed as a result of something like that, but I mean, she's, yeah, it wouldn't yeah, surprise me, yeah. But um, the reason I mentioned Larry Flint is, it's he's he's the founder of Hustler Magazine, a fairly hardcore pornography uh, periodical, and he was the one who sort of <laughs> showed a lot of parts that uh, your more upmarket uh, smut mags rags did not." So yeah, I think that's a bit of a, a bit of a play on that with Homer going, "Ooh, they're showing the feelings of the pay. So <laughs> use your draw your own conclusions, listeners, as to what that might mean. Um, but anyway, yes, enjoying the centerfold
2: of pie times. Homer then overhears some music, and he realizes that it is the Gay Pride Parade.
1: <laughs> is it the traditional kind of? i forgot. Oh, i forgot what song that actually is.
2: Are you ready for this? Get ready for this. That's right.
1: We're here. We're
2: queer. Get used to it.
0: You do this every year. We are used to it.
2: Spoil sport. So the line here, where they have them saying, "We're here. We're queer. Get used to it," then Lisa saying, "You do this every year. We are. We are. We are used to it," and they call it a spoil sport. Do you feel like that's just the writers giving, or Matt Summer giving his own opinion on the situation?
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, again, I think it goes back to that whole: we're bringing you guys in; you're part of the joke now. So you know, please don't feel offended if you know we're feeling we're making fun of you. We're not making fun of you because you're outsiders. We're making fun of you because we feel like you're inside now. You know, you're part of the Simpsons community, part of the comedy community, part of the part of the wider community in general. So. We can all sort of rag on one another. We can all sort of poke fun at one another's traits and attributes and foibles and all that kind of stuff. So don't feel bad, dude. We're just all poking fun at each other. But that can go either way. I think when you've been when I think you've been dealing with groups that have been marginalised for a very long time. I, I don't think this was done with ill intent.
2: Of course not. I mean, this is that going out
1: to offend people? Yeah, or even all that ignorant intent. I think it was just sort of a. a yeah, more lazy than anything else, as I said. I mean, yeah, they're just sort of trafficking in in the usual stereotypes, but they're not really sort of exploring them or exploding them in any interesting ways.
2: Uh, We get the salute to safe sex. We get Patty and Smithers here. I think this is the first time they've come out and hinted properly that Patty was lesbian. Yeah. Because she's now come out as a character and it was always sort of implied... Well, was it even implied? I think it was even implied. It was just implied that she was more butchy. Than anything, yeah. she was she was never implied to be a lesbian by any means. They were just no. two sisters who lived together. So this is the first time we sort of see Patty and, well, Smithers. We already know, then Marge with the "Wouldn't it be greater that man and woman got together," which it's just very Marge. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Then we get lesbians of the car. Uh, Do you say Caribbean or the Caribbean? I say Caribbean. Well, well, I'm not American, so I say Caribbean. Caribbean, correct. And a salute <laughs> to Brunch. Then we get the dogs, oh, but just before the dogs, we get Homer uh, jealous of everyone's abs and he's got the keg. Then we get mm-hmm. the dogs, which was just like village people <laughs> in dog form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and says it'll help us a little bit interested by it, which makes Homer say, "That's it, we're getting out mm-hmm. of here." So yeah, all at all, I mean, I don't know if it was offensive. I wasn't offended by it; It just felt very cringy. Yeah.
1: Uh, cringy. It's not even yeah. cringy. I
2: mean, because it's not offensive on a moral level. It's just offensive on a on a on a storytelling levels yeah Yeah. it's like yeah what's the point yeah so we're now at Mm. the cinema and they're going to see shenanigans which is a play on anything is it or shenanigans that you mentioned earlier i guess but um
1: yeah yeah. i mean i might have to do like a bit of a screen cap of that marquee of that cinema marquee and the titles on that as opposed to ones that they've had in the past which I think showed a little more invention. I'm sorry. I don't want to seem like I'm really ragging on this episode and saying, Ugh, you guys are so lazy or you're doing really first draft jokes. But I think I prefer the old jokes.
2: <laughs> I think you're in for a tough slog if you think this is bad because this is apparently one of the better ones of the season. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ah. <laughs> so they've got the pre-show little game. I enjoy these. It's usually trivia when you get to the cinema these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but who is, who is this name? He thinks She thinks it's Tom Hanks. It's actually Adam Shank. We get the itchy and scratchy Please No Talking promo. And now it's the Turn Your Phones Off and things like that. Yeah. Then we get what I loved, Ed O'Neill is Sucker Mummy, <laughs> which I would watch. <laughs> Bit of a riff on the, um, if you were watching Air Bud
1: movie, do yeah. you know those ones? The original yeah, one. Of I've seen the original, yeah. How many are there now? Because there? there's like six. Oh, there'd be at least four
2: or five, I'd say, yeah.
1: Yeah. None of which are a patch on um, MVP, Most Valuable Primate. In which Never, in I don't which, even know of that one. What is that? In in which I believe a chimp uh, becomes the star of the basketball team. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a winner for the title alone. MVP, yeah. most valuable primate. Uh, <laughs> <sorry>. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Look, but I must disagree uh, with Homer. I mean, I don't disagree with Homer on a lot of things. He and I, you know, uh, are kindred spirits in a great many ways. But uh, I'm all for. I'm all for uh, trailers. Love a trailer.
2: It's part of the experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, ads, ads can you know piss right off. But uh, no, you give me like four or five trailers before a movie, and I'm a happy
2: camper. I think back then. Because I remember going to the movies and actually being a little bit annoyed by the amount of trailers. But I think now you want more bang for your buck. And I think now the trailers have become. I think trailers have become more of a bigger deal now, especially with social media and YouTube. And everything like there's reaction videos and there's lead ups yeah. and there's pe- people are excited for a trailer now. I'm not sure. Was it always like this that the build up for like the Super Bowl trailer and whatnot? Yeah, I think
1: I won't say it's a relatively new phenomenon, but I mean. One of the things I like to do as an older person is to stroll down memory lane by, you know, watching like um, you'll collections on YouTube of like, here's a bunch of trailers from 1981. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I am I watched a bunch of them. Like, wow, the art of cutting trailers is
2: very different now. I find now they're always they always take the Inception approach. The dung, yeah,
1: dong, and yeah,
2: and you. I think you'd be
1: hard pressed to find voiceover on many trailers anymore. Oh, what you, you
2: need but need the the summer. You
1: need that back. Yeah. I know, you you don't have
2: in a world where yeah. such and such
1: yeah, yeah, you don't really have that anymore, which is a shame. I kinda dig that. I think, you know, the era of modern trailers sort of changed with um with Alien. You look at the original trailer for the for Alien, which came out in seventy nine. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's got no voiceover. It doesn't really sort of tell you the story. It's just a bunch of connected scenes that sort of ramp up the tension all the way through. With you know, really sort of not even t- stereotypically spooky music, but just kind of like, what's going on here? This is kind of freaking me out a bit. And you didn't know what you were going to get when you went and saw Alien. As a result, you had an idea, but that really changed the game for trailers, I think. But I'm a big fan. I mean, I'll, I'll one of the first things I'll sort of check. Not daily on YouTube, but sort of regularly on YouTube. As I'll go to search, and I've got like movie trailers in there, and you, you know the the most recent ones will come up. And no, oh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of checking them out.
2: One thing I feel they do wrong now is they do show too much in a trailer. I, I think they can. If, do that I, if I go to the movies now, quite a few times, I've almost blocked my ears and closed my eyes because I sort of think, okay, I know enough now. I don't need to know any more. Why is this going mm. for another two minutes? You know, <laughs> for example, Godzilla versus King Kong, right? You didn't need to see them come to blows in the trailer. No. You could see them maybe running towards each other or something, but you don't need to give away the fucking crescendo in the trailer.
1: I don't think you needed the... the, You didn't need to see the final conflict between the two of them. The boat scene, yeah. No, no, I I think it was a smart move on their part, of the makers of Godzilla and Kong, actually showing Kong just doing that big roundhouse punch and just hitting Godzilla in the face. I'm like... Oh, I know I'm going to get – I'll get a bit of that action at least. I'll get that scene at least. I'm happy for that. But then don't show much more than that. That's my, my take on it yeah. at
2: least. Enough about trailers, though. So we disagree with Homer. We enjoy trailers. <laughs> yes, indeed. Get, get it right, Homer. Come on. <laughs> yes, um, but he's getting very, very impatient. Um, we get the free presentation, the movie call. Uh, do we ever have those at show where you call up a movie hotline of any kind? I don't think so. I mean, I, the way we used to have it, you'd,
1: you know, you'd call a cinema – you know, I think this was sort of, not even pre-internet, but in the very early days of the internet, and they were still sort of working out, oh yeah, we could put our things on online or all that, but mostly you just sort of, here in Geelong at least, you'd sort of call the village twin and, what time are you guys showing most valuable primate?
2: And yeah. <laughs> I love it I felt when Kramer gets there, hello welcome to movie phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I,
1: I don't think that ever really took off in
2: Australia. <laughs> okay, okay. Homer stands up in front of the crowd, starts chanting. He's just creating somewhat of a ruckus. So the ushers know it's time to settle this with giant Kit Kats. They run in, and Homer's just. Oh, I actually, this almost made my favourite moments. I love Lisa saying, "We should calm down, Dad." No, 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 let's egg him on. Hey, Dad, <laughs> has the movie started yet? <laughs> just- and he and he basically just goes Kong. He just yes. <laughs> They chase him out of the, of the cinema and he runs into the statue of Frederick Tatum because he's got this statue for defeating Litter in Springfield.
1: Litter is his greatest adversary
2: or something along he's, those he's lines. He's most treacherous <laughs> foe. That's wrong. He, he would like to eat its children. <laughs> <laughs> but he runs face first into the fist. And as Dredrick Tatum says, it's an excellent bout. Now we go party. And Homer's <laughs> left to... I mean, it looks super painful. <laughs> oh, absolutely it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that was a good,
1: uh, a good bit of animation on the part of the, uh, mm. the, part of the team. Just like, oh yeah, I felt
2: that. And heard it, the, the cracks and everything. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And so, for helping to KO litter in our community, I hereby dedicate this statue of Dredrick
2: Tatum. Litter is my most treacherous foe. I would like to eat his children.
0: <laughs> My mouth! My
1: beautiful mouth! Excellent, Bout. Now we go party.
2: So we're now at the hospital, and Dr. Hibbert has explained that Homer has broken his jaw, and he's going to have to wire his jaw shut, so we'll be able to speak and whatnot. We get it it's been a bit of while since we've had a pamphlet, the So You've Ruined Your Life, or So Your yeah. Life is Ruined. <laughs> hmm. What was the other one? I, I thought it was so, you, so You've Ruined Your Life was the when he got pregnant.
1: That's what I thought as well, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I don't know if that's a gag,
2: that they've got the same pamphlet for pretty much every ailment or, uh, or what. I don't it. know. he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't eat solid foods, and since they're his favourites, he does attempt suicide. I never like it when they have characters attempting suicide. It's just never funny to me. Okay.
1: No, I don't mind it. I don't. I don't take that as seriously. But um, what I didn't like about this is that whole thing about oh, and a man his size that just provides sexual release. It's like I'm sorry to keep trotting out the same old comparisons, but it's like this is Simpsons trying to play in uh, in the South Park Family Guy neighborhood with a line that's just kind of like I don't know. This felt like one of the writer's fourteen year old nephews came in and was like. <laughs> Imagine if that got him off instead. It's like, I don't know, it's a it's a, it's a childish, immature gag for yep. mine.
2: Yeah, I agree. Homer's watching TV and he's got a steak there. He realises he can't eat it, so he tries to snort it, which would certainly not be recommended, not a good idea at all, even he realises yeah. this. Then Bart walks in, and this is now dated, but very big at the time. So Bart asks Homer if he has any objections to him, uh, creating a human yo-yo, Homer can't speak, so he says that's fine, you know, objecting to it. Milhouse then says he's going to go imitate that jackass show. Jackass, mm. as we call it. Jackass was a phenomenon for about, i don't know, let's say, five years, you reckon? Yeah, early
1: aughts, absolutely, yeah, yeah. In all honesty, I still dig it to this day. I mean, I've got the three jackass movies around here somewhere, and there'll be occasions when it's kind of like, I've got a comedic itch that, only one thing can scratch, and it's Knoxville and Co. just, you know, doing dumb shit. But not only for the sake that they're doing dumb shit, but also just the whole esprit de corps of the Jackass crew, how they all seem to really dig each other. Well, maybe not bam, <laughs> but um, they just seem to really enjoy hanging out, fucking each other up, and I think that really comes through. I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of time for Jackass. I mean, I think it's it's... It would have to be smarter than it appears because it appears really stupid. But um, I don't know. I, I like the energy and the the gusto that they sort of bring to the table.
2: The made of shopping trolleys that must have got stolen during that era. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you saw so many sort of knockoffs as well. Oh, yeah. Except no substitutes. <laughs> so we're now at Moe's and Duffman arrives out of nowhere for some Duff trivia challenge. This was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, they said you died. Duffman can't die. Only the man who plays him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got here, which would explain why recently we had Duffman with two different names. Because he was Larry in uh, Pygmalion And then in the, I think it was uh, Hungry Hungry Homer, he had a different name. That's right. So, even though that was probably just a mistake on the writer's part, this is a way out of it. It was a different <laughs> actor. who just looked the same. Yeah.
1: Nice loophole, guys. Well done.
2: But this is basically just to sort of portray how Homer can't talk and it's making him more and more frustrated because no one's understanding mm. him and whatnot. This scene was a good setup for the chalkboard, except we never saw that. They should have they had him yeah. going, how can I communicate to people because I'm not getting through, I'll mm-hmm. get the chalkboard. Or maybe Lisa suggests it or something like that. Yeah. Hey, Duff lovers, does anyone in this bar love Duff? Hey, it's Duff man. Newsweek said you died of liver failure. Duffman man can never die. Only the actors who play him. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Ah, you must be here for the uh, Duff trivia challenge. That's right, local distributor. One of you could win a lifetime supply of Duff.
1: Okay, Chug monkeys. What beverage brewed since ancient times is made from hops and grains?
0: How about ancient hop grain juice? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wait, wait, wait. Homer's trying to make a guess. (laughs) Uh, What are you doing? You're getting some kind of booze all over me. (laughs) Time's up.
1: The answer is beer. Ooh, duff luck. I never would have figured that out.
2: That's the kind of thing you just got to (laughs) know. We then get Homer and Marge in bed. Um, She says she will not make him a spare rib smoothie. I think you'd enjoy that. I think you'd like a spare rib smoothie. Well, I don't eat ribs. Oh, okay. Well, Isn't pork? Yeah, is it pork ribs pork? I'm pretty sure you can have beef ribs as well, can't you? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. I'm just one of those people, I don't like eating things off the bone. I must admit I'm kinda of like that. Even with
1: even like a chicken drumstick or something, I'm like, yeah,
2: yeah. I? like p- pull, pulling flesh off the bone, I'm like I mean, I get it, it's all animals, but I'm like, once I'm taking removing said flesh from bone, it gets real to me.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: <laughs> I, I just don't like the inconvenience. I'm like,
1: I could be having more meat where there's bone here.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they've got the line here, most people don't gain weight when their jaws are wide shut. Mm. That was included because after he wrote this episode, Matt Salman didn't realize that people can actually talk <laughs> when they got their jaws wide shut. <laughs> it was brought to his attention. It was also brought to his attention by the same guy. I think it was a fellow writer, Brian somebody, who said uh-huh. that people tend to lose weight, which is why this is sort of like the joke being that people usually lose weight, you're right, gaining yeah. weight. Uh-huh. So... This is where Homer first uses the chalkboard to get to communicate uh, with Marge. I just really dug it. I just, I know you didn't really care for it, but I just thought it was oh. nice that he was making the effort, even though it came out of nowhere. I still liked it.
1: I like the dynamic between Marge, between <laughs> Marge, <laughs> it's like it's like Benifer uh, or Brangelina <laughs> um, between Marge and Homer. I mean, I, I I do enjoy it when you sort of see them being playful and enjoying each other's company, and yeah, and this was a good example of that. Just the I guess the face turn by Homer, as opposed to the uh, the heel turn, where he's kind of like getting all sensitive and listening and all that kind of business. Like that sort of just came out of nowhere. Anyway, we've we've discussed that. Let's move
2: It just move on. felt it just felt very um, it just felt very real. This moment, mm-hmm. the, the, the characters felt like more than cartoon characters here. That it felt like it felt like a real conversation. Yeah, um, I get it. I guess I guess it's not very often that we have these days, in particular, Homer and Marge having. A conversation that doesn't resort to Homer being a, a goofball in any yeah. way. You know what I mean? But yeah, so I just thought it was nice, just the the fact that he was able to sort of uh, relate to Marge the, and their disdain for, for Flanders. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm, how was your day? Do you really want to know? hmm Well, let's see. I was in the kitchen counting the corn cobs on the curtains mm-hmm. when who should ring the doorbell but Ned Flanders. <laughs> it seems he wants to ban culottes in the schools. Uh, Pardon me, French, but sometimes that man's a goofy doofy. Marge thinks Flanders is annoying. This
2: marriage just got interesting. Then we get him playing with Maggie and she gets her pacifier. We call it a dummy caught in mm-hmm. these wires. So he quick thinking, sort of swaps the pacifiers over. He gets the pacifier out very quickly or just yeah, sort of... just disappears,
1: yeah. I get that he can't have it in there forever, although that could be a sort of a halfway funny visual gag that it's still there like three <laughs> days later or something. Like, oh, I that can't get rid funny, of it. Actually,
2: yeah. hmm. Then Lisa walks in. She's all angry. I like the fact that she was ranting about Ralph cheating in Foursquare because this again felt real to me because kids don't want to get angry at Ralph for obvious reasons, but yeah. would you would be angry at what he's doing. If you're just trying to play a game and his behaviour is fucking up the game, it's like... It'd be I you, Ralph. I don't want to be angry, but she would go home and rant about it. This felt like something that would actually happen.
1: Oh yeah, I don't think it makes you a bad person if you want to no. vent about that kind of thing, you know. And it's probably better that she does it to Homer rather than do it to Ralph's face and sort of do that, you know, impersonation in front of Ralph. I think that would kind of suck, especially yeah. coming from Lisa.
0: We were playing Foursquare, and I called no double taps. And Ralph double taps. And I said, you're out. And he says, I can do a somersault, which has nothing to do with anything. Aww maybe a hug will cork her cry hole. Thanks for listening, Dad.
2: I think here this would have been better. I didn't like the whole, maybe this, a, a hug will cork her cry hole. I think mm. it would have been better here. If we're, if we're trying to portray the home as becoming a better person... I know your angle is they should have gone the Homer is being mistaken for being a nice guy when he's not. I think this would have been better if Homer's thinking of ways or he doesn't know what to say to Lisa to this. Like, I don't know how to respond. Yeah. Maybe I'll just give her a hug yeah, hope, and then he yeah. gives her a hug and that makes the situation better. I don't know. Yeah. That's all just-
1: I- like uh, crying, uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable with that. Yeah, not to sort of second guess the writers' room or anything like that. For mine, I think this episode might have been more effective. Or this situation with Homer might have been more effective if his life sort of gets exponentially better because he can't talk. You like have a couple of scenes at work where he's like gets promoted. Yeah, he gets promoted and all that stuff. And when when he finally gets the um gets the wires off, he's like. Oh I really want to start going back to being the kind of person I was, but everything's so much better because of the way everyone thought I was, and that sort of creates a bit of tension about you know do I stay true to myself am i do I become classic Homer, or do I sort of stick with with what I had i don't know I, anyway it could it could um I just thought that could be an interesting way to go. But well,
2: that's where it could differ from the Homer story because the Homer story was about how, although he was bonding with Lisa, everything else was going to shit. Yeah. It would have been good if, yeah, like you said, he got a lot more extra benefits as opposed to just, I mean, bonding with his kids is great, but other yeah, perks yeah. as well would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and I think Homer sort of expects, of course, they're going to love me. They're my kids and my wife and all that kind of stuff. That's just the way things go. But for him to start succeeding at work, I think that could be could be kind of interesting and fun.
2: Um, yeah, so we've got the Lisa situation, the the plane slash train. Was it train and plane? Is that what it was? No, ship and uh, plane, yeah. wasn't it? Yes. Ship and yeah, plane, Bottle with Bart. It was like a
1: Viking ship on one side and they, or a pirate ship on one side and a B-52 bomber on the other.
2: I always think this is a side of Bart that needs to be explored and they may do it later on, but not yet. The, mm. You know, he's he realized he's become a class clown and he's disgusted by it and like Bart has feelings. So there was that time he came home from school and... I know he said that he threatened someone with a knife or something, and it went absolutely nowhere. It's like they throw these lines out there, and then nothing happens as a result. I
1: don't think any time that happens, they're hinting that Bart has a, like a deeper character or anything like that. I think they know that they have an established character in Bart Simpson as like the troublemaker, the class clan, yep. all that kind of stuff. And any time they do something like that, it's really just for the sake of a quick, cheap gag. It's not hinting at any sort of deeper personality conflict or anything like this like hey let's give Bart a moment of self-awareness just for <laughs> I can't believe he feels like that and then just let it go I, yeah I think that's what they do I think that's what the, I think that's what the show does
0: so the substitute teacher comes in and says her name is Mrs. Duty, and everyone's looking at me like take it Bart run with it and it hits me I've become a clown a class clown and it sickens me Whoa! Bart has feelings. <laughs> Mrs. Judy.
2: And then he's listening to Grandpa ramble on about Liberty Cabbage and Swedish lunchboxes. Indeed. <laughs> uh, one thing I did like, I did like um, Grandpa's liners. long story short,
1: which is a phrase whose origins are complicated and rambling.
2: <laughs> I was like, the, Of course, nobody knew this but me. <laughs> <laughs> so then Marge says, Tomorrow is the. Uh, uh, is this the joke? the fact that it's just called the annual springfield formal event yeah <laughs> it's just there's there's no there's no actual sort of title for this party it's just no. the formal event yeah um march says maybe they can go this time because they went last year she, she wasn't going to go this year because of what happened the local man ruins everything that's a classic visual even with the donkey. Yeah.
1: is that a meme that sort of gets dragged out a lot i think it might yes. be along there with
2: old man yells at cloud i think it's one yeah. that gets gets trotted Definitely. out a fair bit and you had to ask me what episode does that shot come from? I couldn't have told you. But now, I no, know. I mean neither. <laughs> uh, but she says because he's now a better person, maybe they can go this year. And she starts polishing his wires. This is pretty funny. Oh, yeah. It's like when you scratch a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. But you got to admit though. When you've had a, like a cast on or something or whatever and you finally get that cast off and you scratch that bit of skin or you just got to itch on your back that someone finally gets it for you, it's pretty amazing.
1: I get it. I get it. But just the uh, the notion of steel wool anywhere near teeth is just... Oh.
2: Then we're at the four ball and Homer is making a good impression with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And this Actually, this is an example of what you were just saying where Homer's silence yeah. is having a positive effect. So Homer's saying, well, he writes, so hungry gets confused for southern, southern hungarian, hungarian music, music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and gets a, and gets a bunch of
1: money as a result uh, yeah it's like a very condensed and broad version of that i mean it's yeah, it's turning a potential story thread into a, a 20 second gag or whatever yeah which is
2: fine but yeah. <laughs> you know, but i like my way better <laughs> he's uh, not making fun of the guy with the the googly eye and he's not eating all the food and everything like that. So he's just, like I said, making a good impression. They get invited to dinner mm. at, uh, at Toad Hall later on, which doesn't eventuate, yeah. but they've at least been invited to a dinner. Then he's dancing to the uh, the Blue Danube Waltz, I think it's called. Blue Danube blue, blue Blue Danube, yes. Danube Waltz, yep. And the whole, I'm horny. It came out of mm. nowhere. I was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, wh- wh- why is he saying I'm horny? What? <laughs> Mm. But I guess it's sort of playing into your story of they can't understand him, she thinks he's being sweet, he's actually just being horny. But why can't they still be having sex if his jaws are wired shut? I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, Yeah, it's just bizarre that they come out of nowhere. But Marge is just incredibly happy that nothing's happening. Homer ignores the the mule or the the, the donkey, even Mm. though it's trying to get him to, to jump into the cake. Then Dr. Hibbert is there as well. He says he's going to take the wires off tomorrow and he can go back to being his normal self, which concerns Marge. Another joke here that goes nowhere. Hey, Reverend, those pec implants will be ready tomorrow or whatever. Super. Yeah. That's it. I was like, what? Mm, I guess you needed a sort of a button on that scene or you, they thought you needed a button on that scene,
1: but, uh, but I do did you? Reverend pec implants, why? What? Yeah, it just feels like one of those... Hey, wouldn't it be funny how, if you know, How like,
2: random is this? How how random is this exactly right, yeah. Hibbert cuts off the wires and yeah, I don't know. The more I review this the more it seems a bit silly, but you know, his breath smells so bad so he takes off his shoes yes. and Homer says nicely done and that's it. But uh-huh. uh-huh. like, this feels very rushed. But <laughs> <This doesn't- laughs> <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's the punchline, nicely done. Okay. Mm, yeah. So we're now at Moe's again and Homer's explained that he learned a lot about his family. Uh, you know, you'd be surprised how much you hear if you just listen to people once in a while. Mm-hmm. This was a moment when Nicola was watching well she was she was chopping chicken in the in the kitchen, making some delicious risotto, which you got Ooh. leftovers for dinner tonight. This is no risotto is my favourite meal for that Nicola Nicola cooks. And I was watching this and Mo is ordering an escort and he wants to be taken to Orgasmville. Mm-hmm. And Nicola just went, This that was a really shit gag, a really shit joke. And I was like, Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just and she goes, I didn't realize the Simpsons would say the word orgasm. I'm like, well, they've said orgasm before, but this just felt more. Oh, you're really trying to be contro- it, not controversial, but you're really trying to push the boundaries and. See there's a Corbett. general. It's just
1: not a general coarsening. Yeah, of the uh, of the shows. Orgasm feel. I was like, oh, yeah, know it's, it's like it's,
2: it's gro- gross and creepy, particularly because it's coming from Moe.
1: Yeah, and I mean, look, honestly, when I I hear myself when I say things like, it's a general coarsening of The Simpsons humour, and honestly, I feel like I've got a fucking monocle that's about to fall out. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm so, so scandalised when, you know, I'm not really. I just, God, I like a, a good raunchy gag as much as the next person, and the next person is Dando. But it's not necessarily The Simpsons brand, or The Simpsons could do that kind of thing, but would it have to be key in keeping with the tone that the show has established over its best years, I think. I mean, I think they need to look... To go back to my personal favourite episode, Last Temptation of Homer, there's a bit of sort of sexy stuff in that.
2: Oh, 100%. The, what, they, what they did back then was they had adult jokes that kids wouldn't go to mum, what does that mean? Because it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, that's funny, I guess that's funny, or they didn't even realise that it was a joke. Him yeah. screaming at Orgasmville is going to lead to kids going, what's Orgasmville, mum? Here's
1: what I'm thinking, yeah. When they had adult jokes... They were for adults. When they've mm. got adult jokes, and I'm doing the quote marks for those who aren't watching the video, their idea of an adult is like a 14 or 15 year old boy going, "What cares I'm yeah Yeah, I've been there." It's like, no, you haven't, kid. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's sort of for you, yeah. It's not right. It's, it, 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 it's jarring or it's grating. It's not, it's not in keeping.
2: I just, got, I just got lame. It's just lame to me. It's lame,
1: yeah, and Nicola's right. Well, props to Nicola and also to you, yeah. Dando.
2: I was just telling all the guys how losing
0: the power of speech made me a better man. I couldn't agree more. You're today's modern, enlightened man, the kind we television producers have been booking since the mid-'70s.
1: Hey,
2: what are you doing in here?
0: I'm an alcoholic. Homer, will you appear on my show? Sure thing, Elky.
2: Um, they want Homer to be on the TV show Afternoon Yak. So, is this take on The View? I guess I'm guessing
1: as such. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I say I don't have time to didn't have time to do my proper research and look up what was the kind of uh, all female or woman chat show that was popular in 2002. I think it was The View or the or the Talk or one of those. There are there are. There are so many, I can't keep track. No, no. Yeah, but mean-
2: the, the episode features American comedian John Garcia as one of the dogs in the gay pride parade. Barbara Walters and Star Jones, the hosts of The View, the View were portrayed yeah. by American voice actor Tress McNeil. So, yeah, it's meant to be The View.
1: Yeah, Well, yeah, I mean, that's very much meant to be Barbara Walters with the sort of, um, I think she has a tendency to sort of pronounce her R's as W's or something along those lines. Or And, um, yeah, you got Star Jones with the whole... Yes, the... Panel members on The on the View, and I guess this is a, this version, Afternoon Yak. Yeah. I did like the downtown. <laughs> the people they're ripping off are stereotypical, so I guess the rip-offs are going to be stereotypical as well. But I don't know, it didn't quite 100% sit right. I'm feeling like such a scold this episode. I feel like such a bloody hall monitor in terms of like, that joke just doesn't work, guys. It's like,
2: oh. <laughs> I have found, I actually spoke with Nicola about this last week. When we do our reviews in the afternoon, you tend to not like the episodes as much. (laughs) I think it comes down to what time of day you watch the episode. (laughs) Has has Uncle Guy had his afternoon nap yet? That's the question.
1: (laughs) He's had his afternoon... He should have an afternoon nap instead of an afternoon yak. Yeah.
2: (laughs) <laughs> 'Cause I did I didn't mind this. So I thought it was quite funny, the, the downtown and everything like that. It's just downtown. So it's so stereotypical and, and over the top and ridiculous that I enjoyed it. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so, to me it just felt like a dad joke. Yeah, let's hope it wasn't Minnie in that department. Yeah, she's talking downtown. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it just it's it's stupid, but I didn't I I, didn't I mind guess it also goes back to that
1: whole yeah representation thing with the gay pride parade or something like that. It's like, okay, well, everyone's in on the joke. So, you know, yeah, well, let's all poke fun at each other's uh, trademarks and stereotypes and whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I guess that's part of that as well.
0: Marge, what was Homer like before he broke his jaw? Well, he would eat all the time. We'd be making love and he'd have a mouth full of Hershey's miniatures. Crackle was my favourite. I hope that was the only miniature in the bedroom. I'm talking downtown. <laughs> and before he broke his jaw, he never listened. But now he takes to heart everything I say. Yeah! Well, as much as humanly possible. Ooh. Well, March told us when you didn't listen, it led to reckless criminal behavior. He
2: did such crazy things. Roll the clip.
0: Ostrich burgers! Get your
2: ostrich burgers! I'll take one.
0: Okay, you pick one out and I'll punch it to death. Hmm.
2: Hey, dear little
0: Oh, dude, I thought we were friends! Well, I'm not proud of that clip. Homela oh, it's easy to change, but what's hard is not changing back. Do you promise not to revive your reckless, reckless ways? I don't know. The Demolition Derby is next month. Please, homie. No more craziness for me. Well, okay. For you I'll be as dull as Dilbert. Very good.
1: In all honesty, I mean, why would it be so bad for Homer to go to the to go to the Demolition
2: Derby? Yeah, I do not understand. Was, or was he going to be in it, which is why But I it's weird it because did, did, was that an enrollment form that he had? Yeah. So so was he planning on being in the yeah. Demolition Derby? And if you get ga- yeah, if you're gonna do
1: that, you know, give us a bit of indication earlier in the episode. So, you know, give us a commercial for it or something. Him going, "Whoa, I really want to do that." Yeah, to drag out my favourite phase of recent episodes. Give us Chekhov's demolition derby in the first act and let it go off
2: in the third. You know what you could have done, rather than have Ed O'Neill as soccer mummy, have an ad for the demolition derby at the cinema.
1: Ah, yes. Yeah, and Homer's eyes just lighting up. Yeah, you know, and instead I going, like,
2: no, you don't. Oh no, you don't. And then him yeah, being even yeah. more angry by then him being even more angry by that, which sets him off with the trailers. Mm. Continuing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good Why aren't point, we Dano. writing The Simpsons? <laughs> we,
1: we should write a spec episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, we totally should. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, so Homer has agreed to be dull and not do the Demolition Derby. Up next, my son still wets the bed. I remember watching this for the first time, being very embarrassed, right, watching this. Because oh. I wet the bed till I was about 13 years old, right? Okay. So I remember watching this with my friend, Daniel Jones, and he didn't necessarily know that I wet the bed. And he laughed at that. And I remember just sort of feeling a little bit uncomfortable because I get it, you know, wetting the beds, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's make fun of the kid that wets the bed. But it was pretty fucking traumatizing for me. You know, right. I, it sort of, I wouldn't say it ruined, it didn't ruin my childhood. That's ridiculous. It didn't ruin my childhood. But mm-hmm. I did it a lot up. less. I did a lot less as a result of the fear of wetting the bed at a friend's house. So I... Yeah would not go to I would not stay the night at slumber parties or whatever yeah. I would not go to school camp and spend the night because I didn't want to wet the bed in front of my friends I didn't yeah. want them to know that so the fact that the Simpsons was making fun of it my favorite show I always remember it stuck with me I was just like oh, am leave a to mark. Be, Absolutely. Am, am I supposed to, am I supposed to feel bad for wetting the bed I don't know hmm. anyway hmm. so Marge then can't believe that the house is still so clean after she cleaned it earlier because Homer's not a, a pig anymore. Yeah. She overhears Homer yelling at, "I'll kill you." She's kind of she she puts on the whole, "Oh well, like there goes old Homer, yeah. old new Homer." But no, nope, it's actually you know he's just rehearsing to play with Bart, and she's disappointed by this. She wants the old Homer back now. Yeah, she's got nothing else to do. Who wants this whole prof- the professor? So good to see you. I don't know what is it again. It's it's just a dumb button on the gag. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean maybe I think yeah, I think we'd probably notice if the scene ended without that. It might be like something's not right. Feels a little incomplete. You know, it needs a ba dum boom. But instead it's ba boom. Like where's 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 the boom?
2: You know, so it needs that it needs that final bit. It needs it with the cobra. Ba da ba ba da ba (laughs) (laughs) But um, like I said, Marge can't believe how boring life is now. The nine one one buttons covered in dust. Homer has poured himself some milk um it's just it's just he's <laughs> just dull he's just not doing anything now. I don't understand yeah. though why he's changed like this because he was listening to people. I don't understand why he's now become yeah dull so so
1: that's the thing he needed that external kind of validation and he needed a reward for listening
2: yeah you know Cause, cause and, it's, it, it, there's a difference between listening and becoming a boring person. why did he suddenly become a boring person? That, I think that's the role that
1: the afternoon yak, um, bit needed to sort of fill, you know, like he sort of got not brainwashed, but it's like I think the advice they needed to give him, or the advice that they give him, would sort of turn him away from, oh well, that was terrible before, so you know I'll be the opposite of what I was, a bit like
2: oh. uh, it does, it does imply it with the whole I'll be as dull as Dilbert, but it just seemed like just seemed odd that he's gone from one extreme to the other. But Marge, to sort of counteract her her boredom, she starts digging out a freckle. I was like, yikes. Uh Yeah, it's just just weird. Um, (laughs) But I I, I did read on the wiki page that they did struggle with this last act um, because they realized that they took the funniness away from the funniest character. Yeah. So they didn't really know how to get around all that and it kind of shows. So Marge is now in bed. She wants to do something exciting uh, she sees the Demolition Derby enrolment form. I believe it's an enrolment form on the on the bench. So, yeah. she leaves. So, uh, I think we're supposed to believe that because they're going to bed at 7.30, that it's now like 8.30 or whatever. So, guess, the Demolition yeah. Derby hasn't quite started yet. Have you ever been to a Demolition Derby? I remember going when I was a kid to one.
1: I think I maybe went to like, I was about to say an unofficial one, um, which was probably, you know, just people driving around a car park and running into one another. Um, <laughs> With trolleys. Uh, but I'm pretty. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have seen one, like when I was younger. But it didn't make like, that much of an impression on me.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've never been a, a car guy anyway. Even car crashes, I was like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I've got friends who will sit there and watch car racing, like I race all day. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, no. man, it's just cars. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I obviously everyone has their own interests. But to me, I'm just watching. I'm like, I don't understand how this is any different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the same shit but anyway so she goes to the demolition derby Homer wakes up sees them both gone is more shocked by the fact that the form's gone can't believe it Marge is now in the demolition derby and I've just got here it just seems a bit much that she's gone to this extreme you know her life's a little bit dull <laughs> why would she all of a sudden go into a fucking demolition derby anyway <laughs> she's, she's, she immediately regrets it she screams out I'm not like you people I'm loved and she panics because everyone's crashing into her Homer and the kids then arrive to save the day He's hesitant, so Bart, to convert him to old Homer, gives him some beer and we get a Popeye parody, which I didn't mind. I thought I like, Dan did a really good job of this. I
1: thought he did very good with that, but I think they had like three Popeye bits. Three it was Popeye- a bit too much, wasn't it? Yeah. You needed two. You could have done yeah. without one of the Popeye voices, but uh, yeah, I, I was a big fan of what Dan was doing with the voice. I thought it was marvellous. Have you ever seen the Popeye movie, the one with Robin Williams? No, I've heard it's terrible though. I've heard it's like, interesting. <laughs> I okay. mean, I think, I think it, you know, was a terrible, terrible flop when it, uh, when it was released. It almost killed like, his career, right? Yeah, oh, before it even started, really. And This yeah. was back like in 1980 or something. Yeah. And I think... But that was, they said the same about Flash Gordon, which came out around the same time. And that's sort of been universally reappraised. And I think a lot of people are now sort of looking at um, at Popeye with Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall and going, actually, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this. It's not ex- It's not exactly one that you'd show, it's not a perennial Christmas favourite you'd keep show the kids or something, but it's kind of like, wow, I can't believe they, this is the kind of thing they actually made. <laughs> you know, they, they, they made a Popeye movie and it's this. I've never seen it. I mean, I, I should really track it down and check it out because I wouldn't mind.
2: But there's, a, there's that Smoochie film as well that no one liked at the time, right? Oh, Smoochie was a lot later. Yeah, I know that, but, but people didn't like it at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now yeah, that yeah, Robert yeah, Williams yeah. passed, I feel like they're going back and going, eh, we probably were a little bit too harsh on it.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think there are still some Robin Williams movies where it's kind of like, ah, yeah, you were (laughs) tugging at the heartstrings a bit too much with that one, buddy. I think we won't reappraise that one, but certainly things like Death to Smoochie, yeah, and and I guess to a a greater extent, Popeye as well, are being reconsidered. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but I like, I certainly like Dan's uh, Popeye voice. I thought it was, yeah, very, very funny.
0: What do I do? What do I do? Wait, I know. Beer here. Sure, Sonny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh, This beer's the least I'm gonna save me way. Now let's get this show on the road. So many things. (laughs) With banging my wife. A man on a donkey! Never in my six weeks on the job have I seen the likes of this! Uh, it looks like I need some fuel for me mule, gas for me ass. <laughs> oh, it looks like a little angel. Now to save me, Marge. <laughs> Save
2: me! Save me! Basically, he saves the day, says that you know, it's good to have the old homer back. Marge, Marge is going to be the, the wet blanket, but she's a wet blanket that he likes, the kind that he can wrap around himself. That's hmm. about it. We try, they try to have the nice little emotional ending, which I've realised I've sort of done a lot of recently. They've tried to have that little nice emotional touch at the end. Yeah. Does it work here? I guess it does. I mean, the, the story to me, I enjoyed this. I mean, there was... Some pretty lazy writing at times, I guess you could say. Some sort of questionable writing at times, but Mm. overall, I still enjoyed the story. I just think there was need to be more focus on Homer's bonding with his family and the positivities Mm. coming from listening to people. It just felt like there was a lot in this episode that didn't need to be there and they could have focused more on the important stuff.
1: Yeah, I I like the potential of the episode. And sometimes, yeah, that, that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch when you see the scaffolding or the, or the structure or the potential structure of something that can be really quite um, entertaining and fun and, um, and really worthwhile, but it's like, oh, you didn't quite get it. But, you know, with a tweak here and a coat of paint there and a little rewrite there, it's like, yeah, this could be really, really good. I, I tend to enjoy watching episodes like that.
2: Yeah. What <laughs> I thought recently was I wonder if the writers now were writing this episode from scratch – Hmm. Would they eliminate the need for Family Guy, South Park-esque humour and focus on what's most important? Because back then, they almost felt like they were competing, I guess. where now, The Simpsons is The Simpsons, right? They're not competing with anybody, they're just The Simpsons.
1: It's true. I mean, it's a tough one because any show worth its salt or any story worth its salt is going to evolve over time. But, you know, there's, a, there's natural evolution and there's sort of like keeping up with the Joneses, which is what it feels like the Simpsons is doing certainly in this season. It's like, what are the kids like these days? Let's do that. Essentially, yeah, hip audiences tend to like stuff that's a little bit more crude, a little bit more racy, a little bit more sort of um, outrageous, yeah. Um, how can we do that and still be the Simpsons? And I don't think they actually sort of got it quite right we can't stay exactly as we were we need to evolve we need to move with the times um but there's a way to do that naturally in a show in a way that feels faithful to your brand i guess so to speak and um yeah some of the jokes in this in this episode and in previous episodes we've covered over the last couple of seasons feel a little
2: reacted to what's popular
1: yeah yeah would this Do you reckon they're making jokes like this in the Family Guy writing room? Maybe they are. I
2: don't know. I don't know. I mean, they'll always deny they tried to copy, not copy Family Guy, but bring elements from those shows into it. But I guess if you're writing a show and you've got Fox breathing down your neck, it's hard to sort of... I mean, Fox can't tell them what to do. But if you're a writer, Hmm. you want your name to be accredited to something that's successful. Absolutely. And if this other animation has just arrived and they're getting better ratings than you, I'm not sure what they were getting but I mean, South Park... South Park was the show at the time, right? Mm. Then, then you had Family Guy coming around and Family Guy also under the Fox banner. It's like, oh shit, now, yeah. now we're not the cool kid on the block anymore. We need to try and get yeah. that
1: moniker back. It's not even a ratings thing. It can just be like you know, magazine covers or something like that. I mean, you remember you know, shows like Mad Men or Breaking Bad, they weren't necessarily super ratings hits. I mean, Mad Men was never a hit. But it was on no. a lot of magazine covers and there were a lot of articles being written about John Hamm and January Jones and all that kind of stuff. It's like this is the show you should be watching, you know, if you want to be in with the cool kids. It's like well, there's not that many cool kids, you know. Every everyone's over watching Everybody Loves Raymond or according to Jim or, you know, King of Queens or something two like that. Broke I mean, <laughs> or two broke girls. You're two know, broke girls. Yeah. No, everyone's watching the Big Bang Theory.
2: Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the Big Bang Theory at the start and I feel like it just really lost its way.
1: Yeah. I think it, cool dudes like me aren't going to cop to watching the big bang theory even though it's a very serviceable sitcom you know it gets the job done but it feels like a sort of a home brand kind of product as opposed to a little more sort of prestigious product
2: what do we learn palmer so what did you learn from the episode mr davis
1: that they're allowed to show the feeling
2: now <laughs> i learned that a uh, a good hug will be the best way to, to cork nicola's cry hole <laughs> <laughs> and she's not listening? Yes, good. <laughs> From this
0: day forward, your name shall be...
2: It's the Guy Davis new name leaderboard, the championship. Uh, the current leaderboard stands at this in third position on six points. Mark Boston Burgess, Phil Hawkins on seven points in second position, and Garode Harrowhill atop the leaderboard on nine points. So what have we got for jaws Wide shut, Mr. Davis? Okay, then. Um... Let's just go straight to three Let's do two, it, yeah. one, shall we?
1: Okay, one point goes to Steve Roberts. Steve Roberts. He yes. is
2: now on two points.
1: Nice one, Steve. Um, one point this time around for smashed mouth.
2: Mm, I like it. Very topical mm. at the time.
1: <laughs> uh, two points to Josh over the hedge. Uh, Ooh, well, hey, Josh should-
2: Hedge is now equal second so far. Mm,
1: I like this one. Uh, Two points for Homer J and Silent Gob.
2: Oh, that's actually very good. Well done, Josh.
1: That is not bad at all, is it? Very good by Josh. But three points to our man, Jared Hornsby. Oh,
2: I believe this is the first time Jared's on the board. Well done, sir. Oh, well, Jared... Actually, sorry, Steve Roberts must have been on five points, so he's now on seven. Fuck. We've got three people in seven, second position now. All right. Continue. Ah. So Jared Hornsby. All right. Three points. What's Jared he got Hornsby? For us?
1: Three points for Jawshank Redemption brackets Autumn Shank.
2: <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. I believe Jared's just recently become a patron too, so straight onto the leaderboard.
1: Oh, Jared. <laughs> well done, sir. Come on in, put your feet up, make yourself comfortable. So, yes, um, that's the 3-2-1, the the gold, silver, and bronze for this edition of the Guy Davis New Names Challenge.
2: Alrighty. so we've got here, still in third position, Mark Boston Burgess, but we now have two new people for a three-way tie for second. We have Phil Hawkins, Josh Hedge, and Stephen Roberts all on seven, and in first position still... Leading by two points is Garode Harahill. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of the Guy Davis new name leaderboard, you're just going to be a four-finger discount. Patreon, patreon.com slash four-finger discount. If you can just get your name on the leaderboard, you don't have to win. You'll also go into the wildcard draw to potentially win a prize at the end of the season as well. Wow. Yeah, very big wow. But for now, Mr. Davis, let's get into some mailbag. DeVale! <laughs> mail, mail is here! Ooh. Okay, it's the mailbag, Mr. Davis, and our first question here comes from our resident lawyer slash solicitor, I believe, is Georgia Catherine. Uh, She says, What's a movie, as opposed to a trailer, that you just thought ran too long, ultimately good or bad? For mine or for hers, uh, while she accepts she's a 1,000% the minority, she thought The Shawshank Redemption went too long. It was a good movie, but the length of investment didn't balance in the payout. About 30 minutes less and it would have been all over it. Also, what's an ad that you thought, hmm, that's actually a damn good advertisement? And what movie trailer spoiled the movie and what movie trailer is the best? These questions are for you, Guy Davis. Take it away. Okay. Well, uh,
1: look, Georgia Catherine, I will say, uh, shame on you for your uh, blasphemous thoughts regarding Shawshank Redemption. That movie should indeed be three hours longer than it is. No, no, no. no. Um, look, to each their own. But uh, I'm I'm reminded of a, a saying by the late great film critic Roger Ebert, who said... Um, something along the lines of a good film was always too short and a bad film was always too long. So, you know, your, your mileage is going to vary on that point. The one, the one uh, point of uh, her question, or the one question of her multi question that we'll answer, the best trailer that I've seen in a, a very long time, and it was a while ago now, it was close to 10 years ago, uh, was for the Alien sort of reboot Prometheus. I talked a little earlier about the, uh, the Alien trailer and how sort of crash-hot that was. And I think Prometheus was trying to do much the same in terms of its tone, you know, it was sort of, it was giving an indication of what the story was about, but, and it had a bit of dialogue, but it didn't have voiceover or anything like that. But I remember just watching the trailer, the first trailer for Prometheus and thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to see this, I'm absolutely terrified watching this trailer, it's fantastic. And then saw Prometheus, oh, this is a bit of a dud. So <laughs> Run sideways. Yes, indeed, run sideways. Um, but, um, but you know, it did the job of any good trailer. It got the, this punter in the door, and I'm guessing a few others. So that's the that's my answer to that particular question from Georgia Catherine. Um, I don't know. Also, Georgia, re-watch Shawshank when you've got a spare two and a bit hours. I think you won't be disappointed. Or maybe you will. Sorry.
2: I really was excited when the first Force Awakens trailer came out. The way it ended with the Millennium Falcon, I think that got a lot of people super hyped. Probably too hyped. It can have a bit of a negative effect. There's a tendency to sort of view
1: trailers as like, oh, it's a work. It can be a work of art unto itself. Nah, it's it's a carny. It's a, it's the hu- it's the hustler at the door saying, come on in, I'll show you what's inside the tent. You know? <laughs> yeah, that a trailer is not necessarily. It's not necessarily truth in advertising. I mean, it's sort of it's a highlight reel. It's showing you it's showing you the best bits, you know. And you get to the cinema. Oh wait a minute! The best bits make up two minutes, and there's another two hours around it. What? So I remember
2: um, I remember the first time a trailer fucking like infuriated me when I was younger. Was remember that Cuba Gooding Jr. That movie Snow Dogs? Oh yeah. So the trailer made you think that the movie was about talking dogs. That's right, Because right. <laughs> throughout the trailer, it was just fucking dogs talking to Cuba Gooding Jr. And you're like, this is going to be great. It's going to be fucking talking talking husky dogs. It's going to be amazing like, mm-hmm. out in the snow or whatever. But then that's just like a two-minute dream that he has. I'm saying, yeah, And I'm like, <laughs> I would just being so flabbergasted. I was like, that's false advertising. I have to my money back. I just remember that that really pissed <laughs> me off. The fact that I'm... I wanted to see talking dogs and I got nothing, none of the sort.
1: I'm just imagining you like Kathy Bates in Misery, just sort of standing up. (laughs) The cock dogs aren't
2: talking. (laughs) I was not happy at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, next question. It's another one for you, I reckon. Andrew Palacati says, do you feel that major studios will frequently go straight to streaming platforms due to the pandemic and everything and just particularly... and and bypass the cinemas? Or will it be a case-by-case basis... So the blockbusters get a cinematic run, and smaller films will be streaming only.
1: Yes, I do, Kent. Um, actually, yeah, I think I think it will be the case, increasingly the case in the future that um, even you know once the pandemic, if when it passes or is sort of less central to our lives, I think it was the cine- uh, the theatrical or the cinematic experience was already sort of going that way, and I think you're going to have the opposite ends of the spectrum. You're going to have the huge, basically Disney blockbusters, I mean, like the the Star Wars stuff or the Marvel stuff or, you know, the really high-end animation stuff, that'll go in cinemas. And at the other end of that sort of spectrum, you'll have like a boutique experience where it'll be like little art house cinemas where they'll show sort of arty movies, essentially. But in the middle... Yeah, that's where you're gonna. That's where your streaming services are really gonna sort of clean up. I mean, uh, you already see it on Netflix stuff that's sort of made directly for Netflix that uncut gems. Like, yeah, yeah, or you know, like well, I can't really think of any titles
2: now. But well, there's, a, there's a movie bit- that's coming out at the moment, starring uh, Saul What's Saul Goodman. What's his name? Um, oh, oh okay. nobody. Yeah yeah, 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 nobody. So that's a streaming service film. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, admittedly, they've they've put it into cinemas, certainly in Australia. Yeah, and you know, Godzilla vs. Kong has also been released, and they've released that in cinemas in the US and here. I, it's I'm apparently not, I'm done not quite. Sure.
2: I, I mean, I understand now because people are still a little bit too scared to go to the cinema. But I don't think the whole giving people the option for blockbusters in say two years from now is the right way to go. I think it, it might be, but I think. Blockbusters should be at least for the first month or so cinema only, and then later on, like it used to be that you know you wait three months and you mm. know you're going to get it at the video shop. That's how it kind yeah. of should be.
1: That's what I was thinking, That and that's the way I thought it was going to be. That, uh, okay, yeah, we realize that cinemas aren't what they used to be, but still, something this big, it's going to be cinemas only for the first fortnight at least, or the first month, as you say, first I reckon, month that's I reckon, what, yeah, yeah, and then it's like, but you yeah, know, we'll also bring it to you directly at home. Um, honestly, I think, yeah, just you're going to have By that- the way,
2: just continue talking, Mr. Davis. Viewers, I'm just going to race off and plug my laptop charger in. Continue. I shall be right back. <laughs> no worries.
1: <laughs> oh, Dan has just left the wheel to me. I can just talk about whatever I want now. So let's talk about how the earth is flat and, you know, vaccines are bad for you in every way. That's not true. I'm just making that up. But... Um, Andrew, you, no, you raised a good point, and my, my thought on that is that yeah, blockbusters um, are going to be in big-ass cinemas, and you're going to have an art house experience for sort of smaller budget stuff, and the more middle budget stuff, you were seeing this before the pandemic, um, is really going to go the way of Netflix, um, your streaming services like Disney+, uh, HBO Max, all that kind of business. That's going to be the home of your mid-budget
2: movie from now on, I think, and increasingly so going forward. I do also think that a lot of, particularly Disney, when they're doing it with Star Wars, you'll find that they'll make less movies and more TV shows. They I get think so. More bang for yeah. their buck, better storytelling, get people to subscribe to the to the to the app and things like that. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, the see you know, any season of the Mandalorian that we've seen so far, what they're eight episodes, and they the lengths vary from half an hour to an hour an episode, but... It,
2: Usually roughly, yeah, it, it works you,
1: out to be between three, four hours. When you tally it all up, yeah. I mean, you're talking about three or four hour, three to five hours of entertainment. Mm. It's not that much of an investment in your life, but it sort of feels like more. You feel like you've got more value for money. Definitely, So yeah.
2: And you don't, have to, you don't have to commit to sitting there for four hours either. There you is ta- that you take, too. It, take it in portions, yeah, yeah. you, you analyse it, you, you, you take it in, like I said, and you move on to yeah. the next chapter.
1: And honestly, I reckon that's probably the reason they put chapter headings in um, Zack Snyder's Justice League as well. Did they really? Okay. Holy shit, this is four hours, you know, but if you cut it into, oh, okay, well, I can stop at chapter three or something and pick it up tomorrow. Yeah, (laughs) that's a clever way of doing it, for sure. Yeah,
2: definitely. All righty, let's do one more question. Let's wrap this up. And final one here comes from Andrew Swan. He says, What mode of communication would you accept losing for a month, e.g. talking in person, talking on the phone, Facebook, texting, Dude, between... You, Nicola, and my mum—you are about the only three people that text me. So I could happily go without texting. How about you? <laughs> no one, no one, no one texts me. I have no friends. Uh,
1: I don't mind the convenience of texting. I mean, I'm—I uh, think I'd, i think I'd be happy to sort of keep that one around. I think I would miss face-to-face communication. I could probably lose talking on the phone for a month or so, even though you know I'm of a, of a generation when. Talking on the phone was the thing. It's how you sort of, you know, spoke to people who weren't there as opposed to texting or whatever.
2: The problem with talking on the phone is people can't get your subtle hints that you want to end the conversation. You know how when you're talking face-to-face, you can kind of start walking towards the door or things like that. (laughs) You know, when you're on the phone, it's just like, I want this to end. (laughs) Well, that's when you start going...
1: (laughs) Is that why you do that to me all the time? (laughs) That... You thought it was my Donald Duck impersonation. It was, in fact, me so, me pulling the roots of like bad connection.
2: <laughs> well, what's great about that is my uncle Darren, right? He'll just go, All right, I'm gone. See ya. And just hangs <laughs> up the oh. phone. So he doesn't care. It's just like, <laughs> what a king. Anyway, I'm gone. See ya.
1: <laughs> a man who knows himself. Good on
2: him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More
1: power to Darren.
2: <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Hope you enjoyed our review of Jaws Wired Shut. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing Half Decent Proposal, which I believe is the one where Artie Ziff returns to Springfield to woo Marge, which is an episode that I always enjoyed. So, looking forward I'm,
1: to that. I'm very happy to see Artie Ziff and hear yeah. Artie Ziff again. I like yeah, that
2: guy. Yes, yeah, very, <laughs> very good stuff. Um, don't forget, rate and review us in the iTunes store. We haven't had a few come through for a couple of weeks, so we'd really appreciate if you could start doing that. If you haven't taken the time to do so, it only takes a couple of moments. Give us five stars, leave a few notes. A few words about what you like about the show follow us on twitter at four Finger pod instagram at Fourfinger discount but for now mr davis any final words for our amazing fans out there i'm talking downtown Shh.